Hi, I'm Tom Rhodes. I'm a songwriter and an artist. I live in Oakland, California. These are my thoughts. I want to share them with you. It's a podcast called Mental Hygiene. So sit back, relax. Let's go for a cleaner. Hi, how's it going? Pretty good. I'd like to introduce everybody to M. Lockwood Porter. I call him Max. Yeah, yeah. M. Lockwood Porter is just kind of the, it's like my dashboard confessional. Nom de plume? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean, plume? Uh, Nom de plume. I, I get name to, of plum. Yeah. Name of plum? I have no idea. I like the plum <laughs> name. Um, yeah. Um, Max is a, a fantastic songwriter and a good friend of mine, and... I wanted to have him over today uh, to talk about political music, mm-hmm. and um, I decided to have you on this conversation because of your most recent album, uh, "How to Dream Again," mm-hmm. which is which I would say is a pretty political album. Yeah, um, it's sort of uh, the American dream um, denied, <laughs> right? That's one of the tunes. Right? Yeah, sort of that that concept and. You know, I think you probably have a pretty solid background in political music, even without knowing you, just listening to your music. I would mm-hmm. kind of pick that up. So let's just jump right into it. Um, I'm somebody who uh, has not been a huge fan of political music for the most part in the past, protest tunes. Um, I'm somebody who is more attracted to songs And I like the messages behind them, but it has to be a really good song most of Mm -hmm. the time in order to pull me in. And sometimes protest tunes require a little more effort to get into maybe than I throw out there. Um, But for you, what what do you, when when we say that, when we say like a protest tune or a political tune, what do you think of? Like what's the song that pops in your head for that? Yeah. um, I mean, honestly, I feel like, I don't know what to, like, I still don't know what to call my songs that are more political in nature. I don't know whether it's appropriate to call them protest songs or political songs. I, I wouldn't call your jazz protest. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I, I guess a protest song is, feels more, I guess the old folky uh, word for it is a topical song. It's a song that is for a specific time and place, a specific event or grievance yeah. uh, that you have. So, you know. Uh, I, also, I think protest tunes are kind of songs that you would sing in front of a crowd of people in front of something. Yes, and a lot <laughs> of times they're meant to be sung together. So, yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, when I was writing my new record, I learned about a guy named Joe Hill who I, yeah. I didn't really know about before, but he was a, a labor organizer in the 19-teens. Um, and he... Uh, he actually just took like old church songs or songs that were popular in like vaudeville of the day. And he just wrote new words to them because people already knew the melodies yeah. and, uh, and they could sing along. And the point was not to be an artist or to, you know, get a record deal. The point was to uh, rally these people um, and make them feel, uh, you know, like there was some purpose for them staying on the picket line or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Invoke and, real change. Exactly. So I think of protest songs as more of like songs that have a specific not just message, but purpose. It, it's not meant to necessarily be a pop song or a radio song. It's meant to be a tool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I think that um, most of the songs that get to me are not so much protest tunes as much as they are like the political songs. Yeah. Um, but there are examples, you know, I can think of that kind of cross between the two boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of that song, Ohio by Crosby, Stills, Nash yeah, & yeah. Young. I think that's a protest tune, mm-hmm. um, but it's also kind of a rock song that could be performed on stage. Right. Or, you know, somebody could sing it with an acoustic guitar, you know, with people rallying around them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that especially in the 60s, there was a period where there was almost this overlap between where where the songs on the radio that everyone knew that were, you know, very, very popular songs were political and were protest songs and, and were these rallying cries. I mean... Uh, I mean, you mentioned Ohio or Fortunate Son or, um, I mean, lots of, I mean, Dylan songs or Jimi Hendrix songs that had a, had, it it was all in this political stew. I mean, people were against the war and, um, and there were a lot of, um, uh, heated, uh, racial conflicts going on in the country. And, um, and somehow, you know, those, those kinds of songs like made it to, like the top of pop music. And um, I think that's like a really interesting period. And that's something I thought about a lot when I was making this record as well. Like, like how to write songs like that songs that capture a political (coughs) mood that uh, is pervasive, but also are kind of uh, attention grabbing and catchy and, you know, they're not, uh, they're not so, esoteric or heady you know i have some of those songs too yeah uh but like a song like american dreams denied i was trying to write a three minute pop song you know yeah well so i have a question then and um that is do we associate these protest tunes or these political songs that we know that were pop songs especially in the 60s like Mm -hmm. you're referencing there is it because of the people who were saying it that we heard it or is it because the message was so popular that it broke through? I'm inclined to believe it's more of the first than the second part. Like more of um, it was it was part of the responsibility of an artist. They just they took it upon themselves, sort of popular artists, to talk about these important issues of the time, mm-hmm. um, and really embraced it and put their talents towards that rather than these people broke through because they were political. I mean, I don't think Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's Ohio is the song that made them a popular band. Right. I don't think that Fortunate Son is, while it's a super popular CCR tune, I think, you know, down on the corner, out in the street, there's blah, blah, blah. I mean, that song is catchy and poppy, and I think that's what put them on the map. And then when people hear the person who sang that say, you know, I don't want to die because my dad's not a senator. You go, oh, wow. Like, So that brings me to the, is it the responsibility or is it, is there a, um, is there a requirement for artists who have popularity to show maybe truth to power is not necessarily the right thing, maybe truth to the uh, disempowered um, to kind of make political and protest music. Is it a responsibility or is it, how, how does that work? Um, Did you feel a responsibility going into your record to say something? I feel like 
so to to zoom out a little bit, I mean, I feel like politics and um, I mean, I mean, culture and society are always happening. Mm-hmm. Things are always happening, and um, and I feel like uh, you know, I feel like even uh, like maybe not. I was going to come in here and say something like all songs are political. It's just a matter of in what direction and how, how much you choose to focus on certain things. I don't know if I would, if I would actually go, that might be a little bit of an overstatement, but I think that like, you know, to be living in the era of the Vietnam war when that was on the news every day and what most young people were thinking about, worried about to not talk about it. That's also a political statement. I mean, that's, that's saying, I don't think this is important or I care more about my career mm-hmm. than about, uh, talking about this stuff. Um, and so, I mean, I, I feel like, um, in that sense, my, I, I mean, this gets into like, how do you evaluate an artist? How do you evaluate their songs? And, um, to me, I feel like I want to feel like this is an artist that has something important and worthwhile to say. And I, I want to feel like they're being true to themselves, you know? So if, if we're, you know, now that we're living in a time of, um, that that's kind of scary with, uh, with Donald Trump being the president elect, um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people are very frightened by a lot of the campaign promises he made. Um, anyone who is kind of pretending like everything's just hunky dory and fine. I got to ask myself, like, what kind of person is that, that that's pretending like everything's fine? Like what, um, is that, is that an artist whose mind, uh, I have a lot of respect for, you know? Um, and that's a personal call I'm making. That's not a, you know, a universal statement that I think everyone should agree with. But, um, you know, I think now is a time where, uh, at least me personally, I'm looking for people with, with courage, uh, that have the kind of artistic ability or putting the work in to figure out how to talk about these social things that are happening, that are affecting everyone that every, I mean, you go into any coffee shop or restaurant or, uh, and you know, nine out of 10 people are talking about politics Mm -hmm. and talking about the state of the world. They're talking about, Donald Trump, they're talking about the environment, you know, and, um, and if nine out of 10 people, most places are talking about it. If if nine out of 10 musicians aren't talking about it, then that must mean that some of them aren't saying what they really feel or believe, Hmm. you know, they must be censoring themselves. I think there are also people who aren't necessarily, they feel so sort of disenfranchised with the entire process Mm -hmm. that they feel like there's no sense engaging in it. Like that there is no control that can be had by the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, something, so, so something you touched on early on there was uh, um, about people speaking about what's happening and, and the word popped in my head. I think that protest or political tunes work well when the thing is compulsory that you're rallying against. Mm -hmm. The thing with the Vietnam War was bad, but the thing that really solidified 
um, the youth was the draft, right? I think like, and the resistance to the draft. It's one thing to say, you know, we're in this unjust war. It's another thing to say, you have to fight in this unjust war. Right. And something I think that's occurring or on the horizon, you know, we're in this very unsure time, uh, which in itself is a, is a very powerful thing that I think touches everybody right. and why it's on the tip of everyone's tongue is because we're so unsure of what's going to happen. Right. It's, you know, um, but we're all going to be a part of it because as an American, uh, you are part of what happens in America. And uh, I'm an American who travels abroad fairly, fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you feel those effects, maybe not super strongly. I don't necessarily feel like I'm in danger Right. But when I see that, you know, when I see things trending in a way I don't like, I do feel like I have to stand up and say something too. I've avoided political tunes. Yeah. Um, not completely, but for the most part. And actually it was something my father used to always encourage me. He's like, you should be singing this stuff. Yeah. And one of the main reasons I stayed away from it is because I felt like I, um, and this, this goes to another point I wanted to make too, and we, we can touch on here. I feel like I'm in such a, privileged sort of space. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to use this in like social justice warrior terms, but I'm a, I'm a white guy right. from, you know, middle-class America. Um, I don't really have a lot to complain about. Oh man, it sounds like something crazy going on. Outside. <laughs> I don't complain about that. Um, I don't feel like I have a lot to complain about. Right. Um, even though I see things that I think are are messed up and I'd like to talk about them. I feel like for me to write a song, I have to really connect with something. It has to really, I have to be speaking a real honest truth for myself mm-hmm. and I have to really be able to wrap my head around it. And yeah. um, so it's a little harder for me sometimes, but I think there are people who are in my position who are good at it. Well, I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, that's something I really had to think about a lot when I was making this record because mm-hmm. I feel like, um, I mean, this is, my first foray into into writing about uh, socio socioeconomic issues or political issues, and uh, it's something I've known I wanted to do for a long time. But I, I and I felt like I knew. I don't know if you ever have this feeling. It's like I knew that I could do a good job at it. I just didn't. I knew that I would have to do probably years of work to get to the point where I would be able to pull it off. Yeah. Um, and, um, and one thing, one thing I thought about along the way is, you know, um, a lot of, uh, I, I mean, you and I are both straight white men. Um, so we do have, uh, you know, we come from a place of privilege and, and a lot of people who, uh, you know, are people of color, women who are, uh, you know, gay or transgendered, like they, their music is political just by the fact of who they are a lot of the times, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that aren't white men who are straight, just by being on the stage, they're making a statement. Well, there's also a lot of people are artists, even though they're maybe from a, I don't know what you would call it, um, you know, a less privileged class, I don't know the right way mm-hmm. to say it, um, or less privileged group of people are still pretty privileged because they have had the luxury of being an artist. So sometimes I hear someone who is, um, you know, young, white, middle class 
but gay sing about the 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 dire you know consequences of being gay and a lot mm-hmm. of times i'm like i get you i feel it i feel you but i don't know that you're really suffering i mean there's some emotional pain there but i don't know that you're the the bottom of the barrel i think a lot of people want to see themselves maybe this is the right way to say mm-hmm. it a lot of people want to see themselves as being completely oppressed when i don't think that they actually are i think we we actually have a tremendous amount of good that that's happening and it, it takes real deep problems for political and protest tunes for me mm-hmm. to break through for for me to go okay i get you and you can speak to someone else as you can say look look i come from this but this is you know i see these young people who are in a young gay guy in alabama is having a hard time or whatever but even being in alabama and having friends from alabama who are gay i'm like they don't have it that bad i mean that's a rough thing to say i don't mean it bad like that but i mean life is still pretty good we have nice even poor people have big tvs kind of thing you know it's like yeah i mean i i, I feel like we're so privileged in this country even the the poor and the, and the under underserved are still pretty privileged in this country yeah i don't i mean i feel like um to be to me a political political art doesn't necessarily have to be this pissing contest over who has yeah. it worse yeah you know and i think that's to me, that's kind of the wrong way to talk about it. I feel like it, it's more like, I, f- I mean, I feel like my approach to writing, writing political music, um, it was more about, I, I mean, I did, I did a lot of homework, you know, I, I, um, I spent a year and a half just not even, not writing a single song, but just reading, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of fine tuning my sense. Uh, I feel like you have to come at your work with a certain worldview, um, and, and, and see how, how the, th- how your story or other people's stories or the events of the day fit into that worldview. And, um, you don't always have to be, the songs don't always have to be personal and confessional. A lot of my songs on uh, on How to Dream Again are third person, almost journalistic um, yeah. songs, you know. Um, and um, and I do think you know, anytime an artist is, anytime a song is, um, you know, uh, talking about one's personal problems or sadness or travails i think you you know it it's on the artist to regardless of their identity uh, you know their gender identity or sexual identity or racial identity um they it's it's on them to convince you that the the pain is real you know yeah i i'd like to say i think you're, that, I, think I think you're right there i, I think, think that's more of a that's more about the tricks of the trade than yeah. it is about your uh position in society right i think you're exactly right i think that's about how you write the song mm-hmm. and using you know third person to, to to highlight an issue i don't have any problems with that mm-hmm. i think the ones that i the, the ones i don't know how the right way to say that but the the songs that don't hit me personally mm-hmm. are the ones where it feels like somebody's bitching or preaching about something um that they see as a big issue to them but isn't necessarily a big issue to maybe society at large or maybe a bigger issue. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there's a lot of bitching about small issues. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't hit me. Now, it might hit a lot of other people and it might not be aimed at me. Yeah. The conversation might have nothing to do with me and I'm okay with that too. Right. Um, my judgment of a song 
really doesn't mean it's a good or a bad song at all. Right. Um, as some, if it moves someone else, then literally that's awesome. That's amazing. And I'm proud of it, but, uh, I can only speak for what hits me, uh, but, but there are songs that I don't, that aren't about me and my life experience that do hit me. Sure. I, I was, we were going over some of the tunes before, but I, I think of that song, Bob Marley's song, War, mm-hmm. which is uh, a song I heard at a young age that like broke my brain. I was like, oh man, this is like, it changed the way I thought about race yeah. and my relationship to race. And I think that's amazing that a song can do that. I think that a song can, you know, there, there are, it's so difficult to change somebody's mind. Right, so if if you have something in your head, for most people, it's pretty difficult f- to get them to shift that even a little bit one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but there are some ways that you can, and music it really is one of those ways where you can open up another pass passage of a pathway to to view a, something, and it part of it is because it's a one sided conversation that the other person gets to have, you have with them, and then they get to process that or not process it and if if it rolls around and there isn't a debate it's more of like here's my truth Um, yeah i mean i think i think um in an in a nutshell my definition of what art is or successful art is is you're taking something that people already know or observe or understand and you're you frame it in a way that makes it feel new or surprising Mm -hmm. or makes them think about it in a way they hadn't thought about it before. That's the job of the artist, you know? So I feel like, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that are, that write political songs and they don't, they don't hit me. They don't affect me, but there's a lot of people that write all kinds of songs. They don't affect me. You know, it's because whatever your topic is, whether it's love or heartbreak or, poverty or war or, you know, uh, racial discrimination or, you know, whatever it is, um, you still have to make, as you said, make it good. You have to, you have to be, you have to be unique and original and, and develop your voice, you know, and find the way that you can say this that hasn't been said before. Um, and I do think with political material, it's trickier because most people just write about themselves and most people know themselves better than anyone else does, you know? So no one can really disagree with you that that's what you went through, you know, but with, with political material, you're, you're mining the same the world we all live in. Yeah. So you open yourself up to to other people saying, no, it's not like that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I think that the, also the political songs that hit me are the ones that are sort of undeniable. Yeah. Like where you hear it and you're like, right. Uh, go to, to the first example, Ohio. Like, mm-hmm. right, the National Guard should not be shooting students yeah. at colleges. We can all agree on that, right? Okay, we all agree on that. So we can sing about that. And it's actually kind of, safe is the wrong word, but it's like, it's a, Com- safe political common ground. Right. With with war by Bob Marley, you're talking about racism. Right. We can agree that racism is not good. Mm-hmm. I think even racists would be like, racism is not good. You know, yeah. like they know that their political belief is not th- what what society at large thinks is right. And there are these problems that still Although need to be Although that's changing <laughs> yeah, quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think you have like a, you know, like even with modern music, you have a Kendrick Lamar or someone like that who comes out and speaks on these things. And 
the conversation is still active and alive yeah. and people are still responding to it yeah. years and years later. Um, so your record specifically, and it, it, it's a little bit in a different area. And um, the, the person I compare it most to is, is Jackson Brown, who's one of my biggest influences. Yeah. I love Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a specific song of his, a song called The Pretender, where he sort of speaks about the American dream. Also, uh, we, and we had talked about this a little bit before, but like Bruce Springsteen, right. talking about these are people who weren't really singing protest songs. They were singing songs that were sort of a, sort of a, a photograph or an X-ray of a current situation that a lot of people find themselves in. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea even clearly stated the American dream denied. Um, you know, in The Pretender, he's talking about maybe this shift from young idealism to like the selfishness of the, you know, late 70s and early 80s. And, mm-hmm. um, and we're seeing now, you know, this same thing where people are taught an old paradigm that probably doesn't work the way that it used to as far as go to college, get a job, get, you know, buy a house, do these things. And we're learning that that doesn't work for a lot of people as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think to me, those songs are more interesting as songs, Yeah, (laughs) not necessarily as a subject point. I like that too, but uh, because it, it's a, it allows this little bit of a, of a pulling, gently pulling back the, the covers versus a, you know, ripping the blinds down and and shining a spotlight on something. The little bit of nuance allows you to kind of play with the music a bit more instead of it having to be so stark. Yeah, I mean, I think so. This, this record is my third record, and and I I always kind of feel like when I'm when I've written enough songs that I feel like okay, I'm 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 not not just writing songs anymore. I'm writing an album. Mm-hmm. I almost sort of think of it as like an essay with like a like a thesis statement. And then like uh, examples right. to back up my thesis, and oh. then sort of like a, a conclusion. Um, and I, you know, I try to move through it and make my case. And um, and that's kind of what I feel like I'm doing on this record. Like I, th- the word when you were um, uh, saying, you know, using the metaphor of an X-ray, I, the word I come back to is analysis. I, I I feel like the the album is an analysis of America right now. And, um, and, uh, kind of my take on it is that, um, you know, all across the country, people are realizing that this idea of the American dream, the idea that if you, my definition of the American dream is if you, you know, if you work really hard and play by the rules that you're going to keep, uh, your situation in life is going to keep improving, you know, ascending the uh, socioeconomic. Exactly. And, um, that's not the case. That's just, you know, all the data shows that's not the case. You work harder to stay in the same room. Exactly. Yes. Uh, or even uh, drop, drop down the ladder, you know? And, um, and, uh, people feel this in a visceral way. And I think that explains why people, uh, voted for Trump or why Bernie Sanders was this phenomenon, even though no one knew who he was, you right. know? Um, and, um, and so that's something I feel in myself, you know, as a touring musician, uh, I travel around the country a lot and I see, you know, see lots of different people, meet with lots of different people. And it's just something I've, I've noticed for the last 
five or six years, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, so, and I know people from all social rungs, you know, cause I, I grew up in a small rural town in Oklahoma, uh, where most people did not go to college. I got a scholarship to go to Yale. So I knew, you know, some of the most privileged people in the country. And, um, now I live in one of the most diverse, you know, areas in the country in the bay area so um i'm able to interact with lots of different kinds of people and it just seems like at every rung of the ladder people are frustrated that yeah. they can't get ahead you know um and you know that their whole lives they've been taught the the whole point of your life is to get ahead you know right well, um yeah, i mean that's that's what i was going to say i yeah. think that i think we Maybe that the problem isn't the system, it's the expectations. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, I mean, uh, the album is called How to Dream Again because it's really about me uh, kind of realizing that what we need is a is a new dream, you know, a new idea of what we're supposed to be doing as Americans. Yeah. Um, and um, and my take on it is it's got to be something that's much less individualistic much less about personal success but more about community and more about looking out for each other and mm-hmm. being good neighbors you know um kind of the old idea of what you know christian or neighborly values were you yeah. know uh which is we got each other's back and um and i think that is something that uh for several generations now we've kind of really lost grip of is this idea that we we belong to each other. We're not, we don't just belong to ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I think, and to add on to that, I also think we've um, been fooled into believing that stuff is more important than people. Of course. And um, that's another topic for another uh, podcast that I'd like to do. But I think that we, um, I completely agree. And I think that we, we've been sold a bit of a bill of goods, but I don't think that it's like a five bad people at the top. I don't think it's a kabul of uh, evil, mm-hmm. m- you know, men. I think that it's it's a, a systemic thing that is sort of the natural evolution of something that started a while back, right. and that the way to break it actually has to be on an individual level, and that's where music can affect. And music can affect on a one to one basis, in, in, in that you, you can someone can listen to one of your songs. Someone can listen to a song about something. And then decide to change themselves. Right. And changing the world is not about changing the world. It's about 100 million people changing themselves. Yeah. Um, well, and I think on a, I do think, I, th- I think that's true, but I think change happens. I mean, slowly then all at once. <laughs> yeah. But also, it, a lot of times it happens um, in this, there are trends, you know, yeah. it, and, um, and a lot of that has to do with the stories we tell ourselves and the, the, I think that, you know, the American dream, it's not something that's in the constitution. It's not something that's in the declaration of independence. It's something that's in every movie, book, song, uh, for the last hundred years, you know, mm-hmm. this idea that like, uh, like you can get it if you really want, mm-hmm. but you must try, you know, yeah. uh, or, the, the you know uh I don't right. think that's a bad message though. Uh, I I'm but not saying I it's a you. bad yeah, yeah. message but I'm just saying Depends that Depends on what you apply it to I right. think. Yeah. Um I mean j- just this very I'll say it, uh capitalist idea that yeah. uh 
our goal in life is to have more stuff, make more money, like uh, pull ourselves up the ladder. And um, that's something that, you know, is beamed into your brain from a thousand different locations from the moment you're born. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not born with that idea. And, um, and I think art can, you know, we can shift uh, the message behind our art, you know, and uh, it may take many decades to move toward the dominant narrative being something else. Um, but, you know, we can, like, it, it's on us. Yeah. To a certain extent. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the cool part about political music, and, and one of the things I'm excited about hearing in the coming years, mm -hmm. weeks, months, days, is um, that it, it really is kind of what we were just saying. It, it kind of is this self-evolving machine. It's kind of a, a dial on a self-evolving machine where you can see it shifting and moving. And you can see the way that people are, um, it's sort of a barometer, maybe that's the way to say yeah. it, you know, of, of where, where the society is. Yeah. And sometimes it's those limits that let you know what the middle actually is. So yeah. you have one limit on one end and one limit on the other. You gave a great example when we were talking before we started about, you know, something I was, I was going to bring up is, you know, punching down mm -hmm. is generally annoying to me yeah. uh, in political songs. And, and you brought up Merle Haggard, you know, singing about, uh, working man's blues and and yeah i agree with you i love merle haggard i love the music mm -hmm. um but there are times in in some of the music where you hear a bit of pride that isn't necessarily earned right, right. and that that feels like it's like punching down yeah yeah i mean i think i, I yeah i mean i think the the idea that people below you are below you because they're lazy or they think they deserve handouts or something like that. To me, that is, um, that's, uh, that is punching down and it, to me, it's unattractive. I mean, I can understand. I, and I think honestly, it comes from a place of feeling like you feel powerless over your own life. So you want to position yourself above sure. someone else, you yeah. know, not just financially, but morally, you know, put yourself on some moral high ground. And, and we don't know that, I don't know that that's Merle Haggard was trying to punch. Of course. Them. Yeah. I, yeah. I just yeah, mean like it's, yeah. it's hard to find examples of that because I don't listen to a lot of music that does it. Yep. And when I hear it, I don't tend to write it down and try to remember what it was. Right. But I have heard it a number of times in things where it feels like, yeah. but I think that that's one end of the spectrum. And then another end of the spectrum might be, uh, you know, great social upheaval, anarchy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, sex pistols, you know, God yeah. save the queen is maybe another end of that thing. And while they're probably not that far apart socioeconomically between the two people we're talking about yeah. which direction they're punching, they're big differences. I'm proud to be an American flag waving. What was that song? And at least I know oh, I'm yeah. free. Lee That's, Greenwood. Yeah. Right. Lee Greenwood. That's one end of a political yeah. spectrum. And, um, you know, it kind of lets you know where the boundaries, like what are the boundaries of this discussion? The yeah. art sometimes will let you know that in a pretty clear snapshot. Um, I we, we were talking about also, you know, there's a lot of po politics and and socioeconomical issues. I just would like to mention, I, I think it'd be fun to do this, to make a list of some of our favorite sort of political sure. protest songs. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking about that, uh, about Billy Bragg. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about, you had mentioned earlier about 
finding a unique kind of interesting way to talk about it. He sings this sort of pub song, sing-songy, protest song kind of style. Mm-hmm. You know, him with just an electric guitar yeah. and da-da-ding, da-da-ding, and he's singing these sort of simple melodies like, which side are you on, boy? Which yeah. side are you on? They're great. Um, but they really do kind of punch you in the face because of how simplistic they are. And they make you aware of a topic that you might not necessarily been aware of before. Right. Billy, Billy Bragg was one of those guys listening to where you go, okay, right, this is something. He's talking about something. I don't know what labor disputes he's dealing with, but maybe I'll go search it and find out what it is. Yeah, I think that's another thing is you know shining a light on something. Um, yeah, I'm jumping around a bit, but let's sure. try this. Why don't we make between us? Let's let's come up with our favorite. Yeah, six, seven. How many should we do? Uh, that sounds good. Let's do seven. Yeah, seven. Okay, the- I got I got one. Okay, I'm gonna write them down. You start. Go ahead. All right. So my favorite political song of all time is a song by Bob Dylan called "Only Upon in Their Game," and. Um, uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you know the song. It's on uh, The Times They Are Changing. And um, it was kind of like my blueprint for, because as I said earlier, uh, I kind of had to teach myself to write about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, that was one song that, that, I like, I love that song because basically what it is, it's a song about the, uh, the murder of Medgar Evers, who was, uh, the president of the Mississippi NAACP. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, I think he was killed in 1963 by some Klan guys. Um, you know, when he was out there organizing people trying to get, uh, black people to vote. Um, was he pulled out of his car? Was that the, the one where you guys remember. pulled him out of his car? I can't remember. I think so. I'm not sure the, yeah. the details of the case. But, I mean, Dylan, this song is just so brilliant, especially when you think about the fact that he was like in his early 20s when he wrote it. Because he, in, in each verse, he keeps going through like the events of what happened. And then he says, but they're not to blame. They're only a pawn in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he talks about the the men that actually shot and killed him. He talks about the local politicians, the DC politicians, like the, the way that, um, you know, our, our system of, of greed and white supremacy, um, kind of filters through all of society and, um, how, uh, these individuals are just kind of playing out these roles that in this more systemic way. Um, and, uh, and, uh, like that's the way I view the world. Um, that you know, individuals do have a certain amount of power and agency, but but what's really needed is is systemic change uh, to solve a lot of these problems. And um, uh, I just thought that was a brilliant way of uh, talking about a single incident, um, and then using that as a springboard to talk about everything that's going on in society. Yeah, we could probably just make a list of Bob Dylan songs if we wanted to. Of course, yeah. I was thinking, um, I think about Born in the USA mm-hmm. by Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. I also like, I like that it's sneaky. I like that he, uh, it sounds like a, like a patriotic rock tune, but when you dive into the lyrics a little bit, you see that this is somebody who's talking about a lot of hurt and pain that he has gone through in the name of this once great iconic thing. I think, well, I don't know. America's probably still great and iconic, but he's sort of showing it in a different light. 
I think that's great. I love the I love tunes exactly like that. That um, take a song, make a song that works really well as a song, mm-hmm. and then also works on a lot of levels lyrically. Um, yeah, I also love the trick of um, uh, having the lyrics and the the feeling of the music right. That's exactly what diametrically I mean. opposed. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's what I mean. Like you listen to the song. And you take all the words away. Just take melody and mm-hmm. dun, 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 dun. It's triumphant. Like, yeah, yeah, right. And then uh, you put these lyrics in it that are not. Born down in a dead man's town. Yeah. <laughs> the first kick I took was when I hit the ground. Yeah. Like, And those are the first words, but still somehow Ronald Reagan thought it was a. <laughs> right. That's the, And that speaks Patriotic to the, the sneakiness yeah. of yeah. it. And I think, I think that's great. I think like if you can find a way to sneak into somebody's heart with yeah. a with a message it's it's a it's a cool cool trick i think he did a great job on it by the way that was my first favorite song and the song that made me decide i wanted to play rock and roll when i was five years old yeah yeah who did who didn't see bruce springsteen with his like old 50s telecaster and his white t-shirt and his jeans and go like that's a fucking man i want to yeah. i want to be that yeah like, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was a big fan of, of bruce too all right we got two Okay. Um, I'm going to, we already mentioned it, but I'm going to say fortunate son. Okay. Um, I think, uh, it's kind of similar to born in the USA in a way. It's a, it's a catchy, upbeat radio song. You know, it's a radio song about, um, a very visceral sense of injustice. Um, and, uh, I think, Anytime you can pull off that trick, that's amazing. Yeah, again, it's that same sort of thing where you, if you listen to it, da 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 da, da it's got yeah. that like bluesy kind of yeah. rock thing, and then you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh man, this dude's talking about some. Yeah. He's pissed. Yeah, this guy's and, pissed off. I mean, I feel like you may disagree with me, but I think Credence and Tom Petty are the two artists where it's just like, like everyone no one doesn't like them right you know and they all have they both have like john fogarty and tom petty have written at least like 30 hit songs yeah yeah. you know that are smart and uh that is very rare yeah tom petty i I got to see him play with uh um, zz top which Mm -hmm. was like a killer show and that's like one of the only times i've ever like fanboyed out mm-hmm. at a show mm-hmm. normally i'm kind of like paying attention yeah i just was so lost and loving the tunes and yeah the... okay i'm gonna um i completely agree with that one mm-hmm. i'm gonna throw one in here i'm gonna say american idiot by green day uh-huh. um and i like the song it's fine it's it's good but i think that it's a it was something that was needed to be said at a certain time it like kind of encapsulated a zeitgeist of that bush era uh, post 9-11, fearful overreaction kind of thing. And it came from an unlikely source in my eyes. Yeah. I never thought of Green Day as a political band, yeah. but they had a tremendous amount of clout. And they came out and they really stepped up and stood for something right. and planted a flag and called on people to rally around it. And I think it worked. And because of that, it's another one where it's another tune that's pretty easy to listen to. Right. Poppy, poppy kind of rock tune, punk, yeah. punky, I don't know. I mean, at the core of it, I feel like it's almost a CCR song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I th- it, it, with modern, modernized. Yeah. And Green Day is another one of those bands that's written a ton of 
Oh hits. yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And you know, th- that was a band that I didn't really like when I first heard them because I was into sort of darker punk yeah. and they were like, so poppy. Yeah. Poppy punk. Right. I felt like this, I was like, this is, it's like, this is how, this is how genres die. Yeah. They don't die because people quit playing it. They die because someone finds out how to make a lot of money f- yeah. from it and they kind of co-opt it. But I think Green Day has kind of come around and, and won me over as the, the longer they've been around, the more I've been like, these guys are pretty, they're yeah. doing something and I appreciate it. I'm younger than you. So, I mean, I feel like when I was in middle school, like Green Day was like one of the main bands yeah. that just like made me want to pick up a guitar and get in the garage with two other guys. And I feel like Dookie is, is like yeah. just such a classic album. Yeah. And that album makes so much more sense when uh, I read a few, uh, I guess it was the 20th anniversary. Uh, I read something in Rolling Stone about how when he was writing the songs, Billy Joe Armstrong was only listening to one record on repeat and it was the Beatles, please, please me. Huh. And it was like, Oh yeah, they're all like two and a half, three minute, yeah. like short bursts of like energy and, you know, catchy rock songs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I knew all, it, green day were those songs that were so easy to learn Yeah, that you just knew everybody knew how to play all the songs. Cause right. it, it, you couldn't, it's like CCR. Yeah. Like you, you can't, mess up a CCR. It's not, it's the three chords and, you know, they might throw a fourth chord in every yeah. now and again. Like if you're a guitarist, that's what you learn on because it's so basic. The melodies are so kind of clean and basic and pure that it's easy to get behind it. But as a songwriter, I'm sure, sure you know this too. I mean, those are the hardest kinds of songs to write. The songs that sound so easy to play and sing, but like to to get just the right combination of those things uh-huh. where it doesn't feel like it has too much right. but it's just it just feels like this song has always existed since the beginning of time like that's what i always aspire to i think they get harder to write as you get older mm-hmm. i think because you have more you they're easier to write if you have a black and white worldview mm-hmm. or if you see black and white on a, on a thing because you you don't have to explain multiple angles mm-hmm. you can just say this is the thing or i'm just i'm saying this yeah um, and I think as you get older, it gets harder to go, I'm saying this without sounding like an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, okay, what do you, do you uh, want to do? Yeah, so my next one is um, uh, the song Reagan by Killer Mike. Uh, so oh. so uh, I think this song was on, uh, this was before Run the Jewels. Uh, it was a Killer Mike solo record called R.A.P. Music. Um and uh, this song, Reagan, it does the same thing as that Dylan song I started off with. It's So it's, it talks about, um, do you know the song? No. It's So it's a, um, it's a song about the devastation of the black community, uh, you know, since the age of Reagan mm. up until, you know, the Obama era. Um, and he just, uh, just like Dylan and Only Upon in their game, he, t- he, looks at every single thread he ties it all together like he explains you know 30 40 years of history in like four minutes and um it's just like like that's the kind of like analysis like political analysis in a three four minute song that just like blows my mind and makes you know and that's kind of what i aspire to with like writing political material yeah Man, I, well, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's. I'm writing all these down, so yeah, yeah. I, I, this is the first one I don't know. So yeah. I'll go check it out for yeah. sure. Killer Mike, that's the guy who was um, campaigning hard for Bernie yep, Sanders yep, as well, right? Yep. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm gonna 
I'm, I have a couple of different Dead Kennedys tunes. I didn't know which one I wanted to pick. But I wrote down earlier, Holiday in Cambodia, and mm-hmm. I think I'll probably yeah, stick with that yeah, one. Yeah, I think classic. Our, my best friend in high school was like a huge Dead Kennedys fan. Yeah, yeah. And I was into like blues music. This is my introduction to punk, like mm-hmm. maybe sophomore year, freshman, sophomore year in high school. And I couldn't stand punk because it was like, rah, it was noise. And I like these like clean blues tunes and Jackson Brown. And and Dead Kennedys was the one that broke through and brought me into like the punk world. And I, and I think that they there's something that can be done in punk music that's a lot it's harder to do in other things mm-hmm. because there's such a freeing element to just sort of yelling what you think yeah. uh, over top of, you know, pretty basic chord structure and loud drums. And um, and uh, Jello Biafra is one of those dudes who's a super political guy. Of course. Has a great mind for, it probably has been under-recognized as a, as a spokesperson, although a lot of people think of him as a political spokesperson. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. But um, maybe under-recognized in the greater music community because I think punk gets short shrift a lot of times yeah i mean Um, it's basically a lot of his songs are like spoken word poetry or uh, in in a lot of ways have more in common with hip-hop than with you know the the folk or blues based rock that i think you know probably dominates our listening well let me write this down sorry um i think i think that punk is is something that's also it gets Maybe I don't know if it gets harder to be accessible the older you get, or if it just is much easier to access when you're like young and angry mm-hmm. and looking for answers, mm-hmm. and it offers these clear black and white lines mm-hmm. in a two and a half or a three minute song. And when you talk about you know bombing Cambodia and killing, you know, yeah. talking about like some some horrible atrocities that went on, it feels very eye opening when you're fourteen or fifteen and you hear that. And you're like, wait, what? What? Yeah. What did we do? What's going on? And uh, whereas when you get older, you're like, yeah, I know about that. Like, right? I don't necessarily need someone screaming to get to learn about it, but it it hits you in the face. Yeah, and uh, I dig it. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes it, I, it's it's refreshing to be hit in the face by something, you know? Yeah. Like I still go back, you know. I I love listening to 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 punk and to just like really immediate rock, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think like, I think it's easy to forget what made, especially when we're making music rather than just listening to it. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy for me to forget like what first drew me to music, which is the feeling of it, you yeah. know, and the energy and the excitement. And, um, and I do think that you can, a lot of times you can say more, uh, with, uh, like the right groove, uh, and guitar line over it, then you can with a thousand like beautiful poetic words, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, it. um, I, I don't know if Billy Bragg's going to make it on this list or not, but listening to Billy Bragg recently with, uh, Oscar West and my mm-hmm. bass drummer, we were going out to play a show and he had it on his phone and we were like listening to this, yeah, yeah. this stuff and was, I was just reminded how cool it is. It actually, I wrote a protest tune recently that I I put out, and I, I normally don't. I, I've written them yeah. a number, but I don't ever say say protest tune. Yeah, I think it's more of a protest tune than yeah. a, than like a political song. But um, when I, and I I was drawn in by that like raw electric guitar and voice yeah. and how 
how powerful that can be. And I wanted to, I wanted to try, try that out. You know, I'm someone who normally plays acoustic guitar or plays guitar in front of a band. And it's so, punk does this too, where it's so raw and bare, you know, it's, there's generally not a ton of production that goes into yeah. it. And that feeling you were talking about, that raw, like I played in young, when I was young, I played in punk bands and, and we, you know, you just get up there and you're just a raw, you know, light bulb, you're a light bulb without the the glass shell. You're just a burning, you know, element, yeah. you know, trying to, trying to, you know, light up the world. And that's a, that's a super powerful feeling and getting back to it by, you know, we did, we did that show over at Amnesia the other day and, and it felt like I, 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 I feel like I had missed that mm-hmm. standing up, you know, with just an electric guitar and your voice and something to say yeah. and trying to, trying to do that. It's a, it's a cool feeling. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It feels, it feels very different than this is, this is part of my album. This is the song uh, we're going to now perform. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I really think that especially after you've been, for, oh, at least for me, like after, uh, putting out a couple records and going on tours and, you know, being worried about, uh, you know, getting people to listen to my music or whatever. It can be really easy to just start thinking about, uh, you know, well, what, what are people going to want to hear? Like what, how do I get more people to like me? That sort of stuff. And I think the best way is to have something to say. Yeah. That people want to hear. Yeah. That, that that people that are going to make people be like, oh, this guy's for real, you know? Yeah, it all comes down to good music and good performance. Yeah. If you can keep doing that, you'll do yeah. it. Right. Yeah. And and a, and a message behind it. Whatever yeah. it is, you know, is like have have a even if you say something's been that's been said a thousand times, find a different way to say it. Mm. I think that's a thing that a lot of people overlook that that I notice, you know, you and I play a lot of shows with a lot of people and a lot of times all so many people are like 80 percent of the way there where it's just like (laughs) it's just like man you got a great voice like the music is on point like the song like you know how to write songs but like did you really like did you stop and think like what is the most important thing in my soul right now Hmm. Uh, uh, or did you just write words because you had to you know, write a song, Yeah, you know? And I, I, I think that's a thing that I, I look out for these days. That's good advice for real. Yeah. What, what we have one more. Yeah. For our so list. my last one, um, I was going back and forth. I think I'm going to go with, uh, the song Washington bullets by the clash. Oh, the uh, clash. That's yeah. a, that's a great, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is on their Sandinista album, which is their triple album. And Washington Bullets is like them at their most uh, reggae inspired. And um, the song is basically talking about um, it's, you know, talking about uh, the Washington Bullets, you know, talking about how the U.S. um, was carrying out these these coups and these military actions in all over Latin America in the 70s and, um, you know, uh, you know, trying to overthrow oftentimes democratically elected leaders because they, you know, w- were opposing U.S. interests. Yep. Um, Business interests for the yes, most part. Yes, yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, and I think that's history that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of progressive people know about but isn't uh, – people outside of that 
bubble don't know about and uh and i think like that song was kind of uh my first like wake up call like oh there's there's like another history you know really? and, I th- and i think from my personal growth it was like like the clash almost directly led me to like reading like howard zinn's people his people's history of the united states and like learning about um the history you don't learn in like middle school yeah know? yeah that that's the power that's one of the things i was saying the power of of art and the power of song mm-hmm is to have this one-on-one conversation with someone that can trigger it it doesn't it's not the growth it's not the the growth it doesn't make you grow to listen to the song yeah. but it's the seed that you then can water and turn into to growth and change i mean i know so many people that i mean growing up in oklahoma you know very conservative place but so many of my best friends to this day are people i knew in the music scene when I was in high school, going to punk shows, you know, like going back and being like, what are these Clash albums? What are these Dead Kennedys albums? And those, you know, those are people that are now, a lot of them are very progressive and activists. And, you know, I think, I think listening to that kind of music put them on a different path and, you know, made them think about things in a different way. I'm going to put an honorable mention on here because it's, it, it goes back to one of the things that we were talking about early on in the conversation, and that's about who's saying it, who's the person stepping up and making a political statement. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say maybe Bloody Sunday by U2. Yeah. I, as being a political song that I never thought of a, as a political song until I realized it was. Mm-hmm. And then it taught me exactly like you're saying about the... Uh, the conflict in Northern Ireland, and um, and being another song that's incredibly easy to listen to, right? But because it was coming from this band U two, that was this pop sort of monolithic thing, it was so easy for that to slip into the mainstream. Yeah. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Everybody knows. Uh, I don't know yeah. Everybody, but a yeah. lot of people know yeah. that song, and it's talking about like a massacre that occurred in Derry. I, I, um, I played a show in Derry, and I went and walked the wall, and like stood over the field where the where it occurred, and, and you know the song is just like raging in my head. Yeah, and I was thinking like, how did they do that? How did they introduce this into the into the world? Yeah, put put a shine a light on something because they had a light to shine on it, and maybe that's maybe that's a good kind of wrapping up point for all this is like. Political music, I think, needs to exist. Protest music, I think, needs to exist. And a light needs to be shown on injustice. It needs to be shown on places that we can improve as a society. And um, hopefully when that's done, it's done in a way that's accessible Mm -hmm. so that actual change can start to happen rather than just sort of speaking to your own echo chamber yeah that's you know i think that's that's kind of what it's funny i look at the songs that i picked and i think that all of the ones i picked are ones that um are are, except for the dead kidneys are ones that really try to kind of broke out of the echo chamber and made it into the wider audience Mm -hmm. um i for me i think that's important and i I think your record's really good i think you. you i think your your songs are accessible in that way too where somebody can sit down and listen to a song um, like 
Dream Again or uh, you know American Dream Denied, where you're just listening to the song and digging it, and then later you go back and you kind of listen again and you go, oh, okay, I see exactly, or maybe not exactly, but I hear what he's saying here, and you start yeah. diving in, and then you go, you read for yourself, or you 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 recognize something in yourself and look to make a change or make a stand or do something. And if you can do that mm-hmm. as an artist, mm-hmm. if you can make a song that changes somebody, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Especially if it's for the better. You know what I mean? If yeah. you, for what, for, for however you see the world is, if you can make the world an infinitesimally smaller, better place, like mm-hmm. just a micro change by changing a handful of people, hopefully it's much more, but, yeah, I think of that as like a real, amazing power and amazing ability that that uh, and responsibility that comes with music. Yeah, I agree. Max, thank you for coming over. Thanks, M. Lockwood Porter, the new album uh, is called "How to Dream Again." Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to have you back on sometime. Anytime we can talk about non-political stuff. Cool. You have a lot of cool, interesting uh, <laughs> conversations. To, so check it out. And um, let me know what your favorite political tunes are. We got seven songs here um, with an honorable mention. Um, where can people find you? mlockwoodporter.com. Mm-hmm. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as well. What's your Twitter handle? At mlockwoodporter. Are they all mlockwoodporter? Yes. Yeah. Man, you're so organized. Yeah, well, that's why I didn't go with Max Porter, or one of the reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I just had to... Uh, clean up my email i'm not going to tell everybody what my new email address is but i had to ditch the old one yeah stupid i like the old (laughs) one anyway all right everybody buttercup big love (laughs) you you bastard yeah uh you can find me at tom Rhodes music on twitter let me know what songs you uh what songs we missed and um big love see you later thank you